Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the award-winning novel Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and the newly released Pretty Ugly. With me, as always, is my beautiful, a little bit, a little bit sunburned, Vox Vomitus Vixen, Allison Martine, author as a little bit, but all right, we're good. (laughs) Bourbon books. I wasn't expecting a shoulder reveal (laughs) during the intros. I've already been drinking. We're fine. We're good. Today, we have the amazing Megan Collins here talking about her new book, The Family Plot, which, spoiler, Allison and I are obsessed with. (laughs) Megan, welcome to Vox Vomitus. Can you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the family plot while we drink? And then you can drink. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be able to hang out with you guys. Um, So... I, this, The Family Plot is my third novel. Uh, my debut was The Winter Sister. And then last year, Behind the Red Door came out. So I'm a psychological suspense author. Um, and The Family Plot, which I'll hold up right here. Um, it's about a true crime obsessed family who gather to bury their patriarch. Um, and when they dig up the plot that's reserved for him in the family plot per the title. Um, they find the remains of their long missing brother already in the grave. So now they have a murder on their hands. They have a mystery on their hands and everybody in the family who is um, it's the murdered boy's twin sister, Dahlia, who is the narrator of the story. And then their brother, Charlie and their sister, Tate, and then their mother, Lorraine, they all act in very strange ways and kind of react to this murder. Yeah. (laughs) In very disturbing ways. And Dahlia is pretty unsettled by the things that her family is doing. And so she puts all her energy into trying to figure out what happened um, to her brother. And she kind of thinks at first, this might be the work of the serial killer that had sort of terrorized the Island that they live on um, for a couple of decades and has never been caught. Um, and then as things progress, she learns more about possibly who that serial killer is and more about her family and secrets come out and twists and turns and so on and so forth. Ah, uh, everything you just said, uh, when I was reading like the press release for your book, I was like, this checks off so many of my like weird, (laughs) very specific boxes, which are books on an island, Mm -hmm. set on an island, uh, things of twins, Mm. uh, anything true crime. Anything with the words murder mansion in it, (laughs) all of it, serial killer. I'm just like, all of it's good. (laughs) Each thing. It's like you reach into my very specific brain and said, oh, we should add twins. Yes. (laughs) Was there a box there also for reclusive family that the other people don't really know what to do with? Because that's a big thing too. Like, oh, it's that family. Oh, them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's, I, uh, I did a list at some point of all the things you can expect when you read this book. And it's like the most bonkers list that it could ever be. It's like a murder museum, um, crime scene dioramas, cookies, uh, <laughs> cookies. A, a home school that's based on murder, mm-hmm. um, a creepy shed, um, trapdoors, 
trapdoors, yeah. um, secret passageways, secret, secret passageways, passages. just somebody like somebody lurking in the woods. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Instagram know. accounts dedicated to yep. unusual things. Yeah, yes. very unusual. Fan girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, internet private detectives. Mm-hmm. What? Oh my god. Citizen detectives. I was citizen like, what detective. is that name? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Citizen detective. Or, you know, like, yeah, like amateur detectives. Amateur yeah. detectives. Mm-hmm. We have lots of names. Yes. <laughs> Are you an amateur detective? Um, or have no, you started the slippery I would... slope at any time down that road? Because I started and then hauled myself back to reality. I had a, f- I have a friend who started looking into this local case from the town I live in. Um, and I don't know why he was so obsessed with this case in particular. It had been deemed a suicide, but there were a lot of things that were really strange about it. And like a fistful of hair found in, in the person's hand, or I can't even remember some of the other details, but that's not a suicide. No. Yeah. So he (laughs) went and compiled, he like got all these documents and went like just off the rails with it and he, so he was we were having dinner with him and he was just like telling us the story and i was so fascinated and i was like well you have to do something with that like you have to you have to like do a book or a ma- or this long magazine article or something and he never did and i always That's remember a that podcast. i know and i'm kind of like if he's not gonna do anything with that i kind of want to pick that up a little because that was yeah. fascinating but I haven't personally kind of gone down that the rabbit Reddit hole. road. Yes. The Reddit rabbit hole. Um, but I think it's fascinating. I loved um, Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, oh and then the Stacking series on. Yeah. So, like, I've seen all of those things where, where people just kind of work together online and all, like, they're not making any money off this. It's all just for the sake of the truth and information. And I think that's so admirable. And, and also I can see how that start, like once you start and you find a little bit of information and then you get more and more and you start piecing things together, I can see how it be- can, can become like kind of an addiction in a way. So, yeah. Um, many years ago, I was selling on uh, Etsy and one of the fellow sellers on Etsy, her husband went missing. Oh, wow. And like the Etsy community at that time was kind of small. And so many of us just got like weirdly obsessed with this. Mm-hmm. And we went down the rabbit Reddit hole and it, it ended up after many, many months, it, we found out that he just left her and she knew it. And she was like playing up on like the idea that oh, like man. she was left. But for months, people who lived in the area that this happened, they were going out and canvassing. They were like oh, wow. knocking on stores doors and asking for like security footage okay, and it was did, just did the etsy lady know that people were doing this knowing all the while that yeah, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. i don't like that yeah no, i don't like no. that either. and that's when i was like maybe i'm not cut out to be a citizen detective because my feelings yeah. just got really hurt yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean that's the thing with the citizen detective is you don't have all the access to really get the truth so you have access to what you have access to but if it's just like Oh, oh, yeah, you know, here's a bank record and the paper trail really shows he's just down the street, but yeah. has no idea there's a search going on for him because his wife's like, what was me? Right. I have yeah. been maligned. <laughs> and you didn't know. So have you always been interested in true crime or did was were you just interested in like thrillers and psychological fiction and then the true crime came later? I can't like, I don't remember thinking about it too much as I was growing up. And I think the first, 
like documentary or something that really pulled me in was the Paradise Lost series on HBO. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's about the West Memphis Three. And, um, and I, so I watched those maybe like 10 years ago or more. And immediately I was like, oh my God, I want more things like this. Um, this is so fascinating. But before that, I mean, I've definitely always been into thrillers and suspense and true crime lends itself to that kind of space. Um, but yeah, I, but the thing is I had, there was this, there were these couple of stories um, as I was growing up in the town next to me, actually, I had lived in this town, but then we moved when I was 10 to the next town. Um, there were these two girls that went missing in the seventies and, um, late seventies. So I was born in 84. So a little bit before I was born, but it was kind of these stories that sort of haunted the region about these girls that just like, they were like 10 or so and separate cases, like they were out riding their bike and then no one saw them again. And, um, and I just remember that sort of being in like my, my brain, but, um, I didn't really start to think about it until I was an adult. And I found out that the, one of the girls was the sister of this dance teacher I had as a kid. And so that was kind of a weird thing that I never realized. I never knew that connection. And, um, and it's really sad. Like they're still missing and they never solved it. Um, but so I kind of, even though I wasn't, actively into it I feel like I've always kind of been around that in a way because that story really was such a part of um, it's, a, it's like where the, I live. the fable of your life like, yeah it's just yeah. like part of like the fairy tale the dark fairy tale of your town is right two children went missing yeah it's hard to not have that become part of like just your DNA almost. yeah and, and I, I have, I said this, um, a lot during my last book tour for my book behind the red door, which is about a missing person case that for me, there's something like this kind of sounds bad, but there's something eerier about a missing person than about a murder because with no, a murder, true. it's yeah, true. with a murder, you have a body, you have a place to start, you know, certain things, even if it's not solved, but with a missing person, they just vanish and vanish. then you're there to kind of fill in all the possibilities, which makes it possibly even a lot scarier than it really was. I mean, like when you were talking about the Etsy friend, you're thinking all these things probably about what happened to her husband. And then it turns out, well, she just, he just left her. So, um, so yeah, I've always been really, really interested in like missing people, which is why there's still, there's like that aspect in the family plot where for a long time, um, the main character Dahlia thought that her brother had run away and because he had supposedly left this runaway note, which then once they find out he was murdered, they're like, okay, he didn't write that. Um, and she's been like searching for him. But not also, she doesn't physically search for him in the world because she also can't leave her little space because she wants to be close to home if he ever comes back. That's how kind of tied to him she is. Um, and so she's never gotten over that. And then, of course, she finds out, oops, he was actually murdered the whole time. And, um, that was and that's so heartbreaking. Reckoning. That was so heartbreaking for me. And I know Allison and I talked about this, the fact that you know, she kept saying, well, if he was dead, I would like, I would feel it and I would know it because I know him so well. Yeah. And then does she know him? That right. Well? Right. Which <laughs> is a big thing that she has to grapple with in the book. And I've always been really interested in how we 
kind of mythologize the dead and people who have left our lives um, for one reason or another. And I think she definitely does that. She sees their relationship through rose-colored glasses. She is sure that she always knew everything about him. And then, of course, throughout the book, she finds out there's so much about him, so much that's really important that she never knew at all. Um, and I just, I'm always interested in that tension between what we think we know about somebody and what we kind of project onto someone and then what's really there. Well, and it was just interesting how you even presented the idea that, okay, so this body is found and she's convinced at the beginning, no, that's not him because he ran away. So whoever's in there, that's not him. And she's in such firm denial there. And I wasn't even sure I I was going to ask, but you already brought it up even beforehand. Like, is it a spoiler that he's dead? Because I wasn't sure how much was on the back (laughs) because I got an art copy. Yeah. You know, like, okay, do we know who's in that grave? Is it him? And how much of that is whether well, something that's your let, letting the readers know ahead of time. Oh yeah, no, he's dead. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's dead. Yeah. 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 But I knew stuff. that much going in. I knew. He, and then See, I, was like, I, I, I did like knives out. And then I'm like, it's not like two minutes into it. I'm like, this isn't like knives no, out. And I didn't know whether it would be or not, but I think one of the things I really enjoyed about your book, and I've, I've read a lot more thrillers recently than I have in just years back. Cause it's not my preferred genre. I'm more of a mm-hmm. sci-fi girl, fantasy stuff like that is that so often when you read thrillers, it's so clearly projected what's going to happen that I'm just kind of like waiting for them to tell me the thing I already know. And I didn't feel that with yours. And part of that was because (laughs) there were so many twists, including twists that you don't see coming because they're not necessarily, I mean, they're central to the plot, but they're not necessarily a twist specific to how did the twin die or Mm -hmm. what happened to this? Because there are other twists that I know what twist you're talking about. I don't want to say, I don't want, I don't want to say anything, but that one just caught me so off. I screamed off my go. I like, (laughs) I like, like I was like, (laughs) as I was reading it um, in the middle of the night in my creepy house and my (laughs) dog who spends like 20 minutes a day, just barking up the haunted stairs. (laughs) He's now barking at you. Oh yeah. He was barking at me. (laughs) (laughs) But there were like twists upon twists and layers upon twists that it was just like, just as you get past the twist, it was just like an onion of twists. We just keep peeling off more twists (laughs) to get to the center of the book, to get to the very end of things. And I I just, I mean, I spent as much time dream casting it going, hmm, in the movies. (laughs) We spent, we spent, Alice and I spent a good number of hours mm-hmm. i feel like sending each other who we wanted to play these characters in Ooh. movies and, and pictures, then yeah. and then like like debating with each other like mm-hmm. no i feel like mine is the right choice because <laughs> yeah. in this movie he made out with james franco so he can play <laughs> <Yeah>. gay like, <laughs> well I like I <laughs> one of one of the characters you picked was because you were thinking of another character by the same name from another author we'd interviewed and i know that's how your <laughs> mind went there i'm like that's not even close she's like i know she wasn't described this way at all but, and then I send a picture, I'm like, it's because of this. And you're like, oh yeah, that's fine. So sometimes we come in with our own biases and mm-hmm. I'm sure that that probably had nothing to do with what you were picturing when you were doing this. But I know the one we couldn't really picture was Dahlia. Hmm. I couldn't get a picture of Dahlia. I, I know I default still... is, it's the author. So it looks like you make it. <laughs> oh. I, was thinking, I was thinking it's Victoria Pedretti from you hmm. and uh, Haunting of Hill House. That would be great. Let's get her to play it. Let's get her. All right. So <laughs> we're get her on the line. Yeah. Sending burn cookies. And, going, and like I to make this happen. And I imagined like Jessica Lang as the mom Ooh, burning the cookies, be great. being so frantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People always ask me who I picture celebrity wise for these characters, and I never have a great answer. I think because 
um, it's going to sound weird. Like I, f- I see them more as like a vibe than a, than a physical person. I mean, I definitely like, I see like Tate is described as having, um, kind of curly, dark blonde hair and for a time at the beginning, at least being all made up. And then she kind of gets progressively less made up as it goes. So like, I can see that, but it's more of like a, a, like a Tate feeling in the room for me. So it's hard for me to cast things, but I know, um, like the bookstagrammer Gare indeed reads, he always, uh, casts every book that he reads and he's that. done my last two books. And both times I was like, yep, yep, yep. Was that it? all? That's perfect. Well, that's I perfect. I you get them thinking on the of phone. that, but you got it. Does he work yeah. part-time as a casting director? Because that's a talent right there. I don't think he does. He, ju- he should though. He need, they need to hire him, whoever they are. Whoever they is. <laughs> Like yeah, the industry. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think what you're saying about vibe is totally correct because we kind of have this feel for people. So it's not so much, oh, their facial features have to be this way. But if the person isn't being and embodying that character, then it's all wrong. Even if they look the part, they won't be the part. And right. that's especially since we're, we're reading and we're imagining our own, our own visualizations. It's like, okay, so who's who's running around with their bourbon being charlie and mm-hmm. and usually kind of drunk so yep. you have to have that person who can turn it on and off and then break your heart in another minute but i mean that's that's where the fun is yeah being able yeah. To, to visualize these characters doing that and if they can picture an actor all the yeah. better and if not get that vibe yeah <laughs> and you you created such great characters yeah. like they were Thank all you. so weird <laughs> they're very weird <laughs> so i don't know have you ever seen the movie or read the play the house of yes no but that's a great title uh parker posey stars in it and tori spelling is in it it's about this weird family that's obsessed with the jfk assassination <gasps> and parker posey is the twin of like this like young gorgeous man and uh he moves away because he's like, my family's weird. And he comes mm-hmm. back with like a girlfriend who's very Marilyn Monroe. And Parker Posey's obsessed with Jackie Onassis. And she's mm-hmm. like, and so she and her twin in her brain were always JFK and Jackie. Because um, <laughs> that's you got, messed up. Yeah, that's- <laughs> no, it's there. I, I won't even give you the spoiler line that makes it so messed up. But the movie is amazing. The House of Yes. The play is, the movie is verbatim, the play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to check you, it out. That sounds amazing. Check it out because it, I was getting definite house of yes vibes mm, from yeah. this just because of like the lack of reality a family lived in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, definitely. Like, oh, they don't exist in the world that I exist in going to yeah. the grocery store. Right. They're definitely operating on their own plane of existence, um, which was part of like the point for the family, like the mom really made that be the case. And now they've each sort of made their own way, but also haven't really made their way because they've had a lot going on that they don't even realize. And my editor actually, like, I had all these things that were ideas about even more eccentricities for this family. And my editor had to really dial me back. And she's like, okay, well, we we can't let it be so that readers don't relate at all to these characters. I want to know one of those. What was one of the other, like the weird eccentricities? One of them was, well, it was kind of more just like in depth about um, the honoring ceremonies. So in the book there, they, uh, they honor the, these murder victims, these victims of murder. 
and they have these candles and they Here's say this yeah and That's they say this candle, little Jen. prayer i don't and, have a candle <laughs> i do <laughs> and they do it on the anniversaries of their deaths and i can't even like at this point there's been so many different revisions. I can't even remember the specifics, but I remember it was sort of a lot more involved. And she was like, let's, let's get this down to its bare bones, simplistic thing, because otherwise it's going to seem like they're like a cult. Yeah. A devil cult. worshiping or something. Yeah. And well, that's people not thought what they were doing, doing that anyway. Yeah. But. Yeah. Which, which is, yeah. The town looks at them and they're like, okay, you guys, we know you teach your kids about murder. Um, you named your kids after famous murder victims. You live in Murder I, Mansion, and that's I like, love all of that. Still, <laughs> even like knowing the whole book, I'm like, why wasn't that my childhood? <laughs> I don't know because there's only one of you. <laughs> you can't be all I, of the. Gym. I can't be all of them, and you can't be all of them. You can just be you. <laughs> um, so, I was. As a New Englander and knowing that you're like New England based, I was mm -hmm. trying to figure out where this island was, where this fictional island was. You don't have to tell us, but can you tell me like off which state? <laughs> yeah, I think it says it at some point, but it's only off like Rhode one. Island. Yeah, it's off Rhode Island. Okay. And I was like, oh, so I was thinking, I was yeah, I was thinking of like a, a block island type place, but with, without the cutesy, like fun, beautiful shopping beaches. So just like nope, rocky shore. I Every time a, I picture I it, I write it's... about a fictional New England island as oh, well, yeah? and it's like a horror show. It's yeah. just like there's nothing. It's just like cliffs yep. and like raw, <laughs> cold North Atlantic, and nobody yep. goes there to swim, and there are no mm -hmm. shops. I love it. Yeah, somehow it's a it's an island off the coast of New England. Yes. <laughs> that's not Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. No, it is not. <laughs> My husband actually found me some island while I was writing this that he was like, it's like this. I don't even remember the name oh of it. Oh my God. Now but I it's something really off Rhode Island. I think it starts with a P. Um, but he was talking about how it only had like X number of people. So it was super small and it wasn't really like a touristy place. So um, basically I think he was just kind of being like, it does exist sort of this type of place you're talking oh, about. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Stand in for your island. Well, and yeah. getting back to what you said about the honoring ceremony, I thought that was really interesting because not a big spoiler as it comes out that, Hey, there's a body in the grave and that body isn't supposed to be there. Then there's an investigation going on. And then the police come and talk to the characters about what's happening. They're asking about this honoring ceremony and what it looks like to outsiders and there was a really interesting line, and I'm going to botch it, so I won't try to quote it. But it was talking about like, oh, well, what is this? Is this a prayer? Well, to God, well, do you believe in God? So it was really this whole question about like, why are they even doing this? And they're not even really sure while they're doing it. So that's interesting that you had a different ceremony or a more elaborate ceremony. Did you go more into like the mythology of it? Or was it just more, more steps shown? It was, I just think, uh, yeah, it was more like steps and things like that. and but. I, that scene you're talking about, yeah, he's saying, okay, so what is, what is it that you yeah. say? You have these parties for the dead. And she's yeah. like, no, 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 they're not parties. They're, we're honoring them. And what's the point of these things? And it's yeah. like, is it remembering them? Is yeah. it, is he's it a prayer like, for Are them? you worshiping the dead? And she's like, no, we don't worship <laughs> them. And I think actually that was a, that was maybe inspired by the conversation with my editor because she was kind of saying like the way that 
it's presented now in the very beginning, it seemed like they did worship the dead. Like it was this kind of religious aspect. And I was like, you're right. I don't want it to be that because I couldn't really like put those two things together. Like people who always talk about, think about, read about murder and then like some religious aspect. So, um, so yeah, she, she kind of is realizing for the first time because this is the first time anybody's really asked her specifics about, these traditions that she had in her family. And she's kind of like, yeah, no, like it's just a prayer to like, whatever, I don't know the universe. And, and for him, he's like, okay, all right. That's <laughs> right. And to, to me, it felt kind of like a combination of Dia de los Muertos and also kind of one of those, those candlelight vigils that always happen mm-hmm. after a big tragedy. Yeah. And it's yeah. Like, but instead of happening once, instead of saying, we're honoring these people once that it keeps coming back and that it mm-hmm. keeps being this thing that they're always doing. And that the kids are doing it in their own way and some of them are taking it seriously and some of them are kind of just joking through it. But it was so much part of their childhood that they kind of can't not do it because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, this is the only childhood they've known. So, I mean, it it even raises the question of how do you know you have a weird childhood if you don't have experience or any interaction with anybody else? Yeah. And that's, that's a major point in the book because when she and her twin brother were kids before he ran away... Um, he always would say that our family is unnatural. And she would say, I don't like, I don't know what that means. How do you think that? And as an adult looking back on it, she's like, I don't know how he knew that because our life was the only life we knew. So it was, it had to be natural to us. And then this, this is very early on in the book. She talks about how her, like basically one friend that she has in her new life, um, who I love, by the way, Greta. She's <laughs> Citizen Greta. detective. Greta's me. She's you. Greta's me. But yeah. Greta can like bake a muffin, and I cannot. <laughs> but I was a barista baking. at one time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she, yeah, she starts telling Greta sort of like in a casual way about these honorings, and she has this little line about how Greta kind of looked at her like she had no idea what she was talking about, and that's the moment where she started to realize, like, oh is that not normal? Like, is there something unnatural about our family? So yeah. And I think, I think that happens to everybody to a certain extent. Like every family has their own traditions. Like hopefully it's not this stuff, but, (laughs) um, you know, and then you, you maybe go to college and you'll like say something and people will be like, what, what is that word? Like, what is that weird phrase that you've just said? And you think it's a totally normal thing, but it's not. And so these lighthouse siblings, um, have that kind of times a thousand because the real world is so different from what they've been living and all they really know of the real world is all the terrible things. Yeah. So yeah. Dahlia in particular goes through life not trusting anybody and the only person she trusted was her twin brother and now she really has to reckon with that because she either can or cannot trust her family now that they have this whole new problem that they're yeah. dealing with together. Well, so, I thought it was also, in, oh, I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting that you basically had two sibling sets, same family, but there was a gap there. And I mm-hmm. thought that was really unusual because there was some talk about some of the age and how the ages played into things, but it's unusual where you see this kind of tight knit family, but it's not a tight knit family. It's like yeah. two families within one where you've got Charlie and Tate and Andy and Dahlia. And then when Dahlia loses Andy at first, mm-hmm. she thinks because he runs away and how she's just missing her other half. but there's almost even a resentment toward the two that still yeah. have each other. Yeah. And I think that was really interesting how you played off it because a lot of times you don't see a lot of sibling relationships explored in literature. 
And when you do, a lot of times there there isn't that exploration about how it's not all unilateral, where mm-hmm. not unilateral, but like equivalent, where yeah. brother and sister. But it's like no, there's this group over here, and then she's an outsider, even with her own within her own family. And I thought that right. was really interesting how you played up on that. Yeah, thanks. Um, this was actually the first book where I had a family this big in the book because in my first book, um, part of the premise is that there's this the main character's sister was murdered as a teenager. And then she kind of has to deal with that later in life when she goes back home and finds out all this stuff. Um, so in that book, it's pretty much just the narrator and her mother and then kind of the memory of her sister. And then in my second book, uh, the main character is an only child and she has this incredibly eccentric kind of crazy father and she has a mother, but she's sort of like not really in the picture. So this was the first time where I was dealing with like on the page in scene sibling relationships and a mother as well. And then the memory of the father and the brother. So it was kind of a lot to balance at once, but it was fun to see how, um, you know, how would Dahlia and Tate interact versus Tate and Charlie and how would Charlie and Dahlia interact versus Charlie and the mother and, and all those things. And then how do they react? How do they act when they're all in the same room? So I had fun, like with those kind of one-on-one interactions and seeing what those are like, and then also um, kind of putting them together into this ensemble. And it was, it was really the first time where I'd had so many they're not all like, I don't know if you'd call them all main characters, I guess. I mean, Dahlia's our main, main character, but, um, good, strong this, supporting character. Yeah, yeah. This was the I first mean, time I had so many major characters, I would say that are there kind of all the time. Well, I, I feel like, so I write very sparingly with characters because mm-hmm. I think because I am an only child Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and was never like popular or had tons of friends. Uh, so I always write like these like three or four person stories at the very most, usually, mm-hmm. usually like core two people and then yeah. maybe two extra people. And I loved how you made this kind of a chess game of emotions Ooh. and not, <laughs> not even just like hardcore emotions, but like quirky memory, funny stuff. Like you mm-hmm. had our characters, our characters, I've adopted them. <laughs> like they're my family. I'm a lighthouse now. Um, but they were laughing one moment, hating each other the next, mm-hmm. doubting everything they knew, yep. questioning their artistic choices. Like mm-hmm. all of these things were happening, just like a braid. And I felt like it felt so real. Like they felt like a family. That's great. Thank you so much. Cause it definitely, that was one of the biggest challenges in writing this book was, was making sure that those relationships felt like they had a history to them. And, um, but even like you mentioned with the age difference, like the history between Charlie and Tate is a lot different than the history between Charlie and Dahlia because Charlie was out by the time Dahlia was like eight. So, um, she hasn't really spent a lot of time with him in her life. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of it was it was a lot to to balance all those things at once. But uh, I mean, I I people can say that it's all a bunch of unlikable characters, which is fair. But like, I I don't love so. these guys. No. Uh, no. <laughs> and I, I mean, I guess all of them. Yeah, I, I was going to say we've <laughs> read a lot of books over the past year, and I say we because Jen and I read the same books to prep for the show, and we've read mm-hmm. a lot of unlikable characters. I don't think these characters were unlikable. They mm-hmm. were they were definitely coming from weird backgrounds. Yeah. Maybe some parts of them we couldn't personally relate to growing up on a homeschool <laughs> curriculum of murder. Um, but 
but having that even though I like, wanted to I yeah you wanted to, wanted to. I'm, I wanted I'm fine to. with the public school education I got in Anaheim <laughs> California thank you very much but just that feeling of like okay here's my family and this is where I'm supposed to belong and yet I don't mm-hmm. or that feeling of okay well I'm supposed to really know this person and I thought I was the closest person to them but maybe I wasn't and where does that leave me in the world if the person who I thought was my other half was right. keeping things from me yeah. or had had outside relationships that I didn't even know about. Yeah. So all of those things, I didn't find any of them unlikable. They were empathetic because yeah. I mean, how do you not feel for someone who grows up being isolated and basically told the world is terrible. Here's yeah. a million ways you're going to die. So stay in this house, but here's your, here's your walking papers and spending cash when yeah. you're <laughs> yeah. slightly when you... old enough. I mean, yeah. that's insane. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a world of difference between likable characters and lovable characters. Mm -hmm. Like I really did. I like, I loved Charlie. I loved all of them. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear that. I loved Charlie so much. I loved him during his whole processing of the body finding. I loved the idea of the museum. (laughs) I loved all of it. Did I like it? Was it wrong? Yes. Did I love it? Yes. Uh, Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. And I don't find him to be like, he, I have like questions about the end, which we can't talk about now. I was going to say, we need to keep you on after so we can have spoilery (laughs) questions. (laughs) But cameras aren't rolling, so we don't Uh, run it forever. But, but yeah, I just, even with my questions at the end, I just like, I loved Charlie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I did too, but I also, I, I'm, I admit I'm super biased because the person I pictured him as I'm already madly in love with. So I probably <laughs> transferred a lot of that there. And so well, maybe that, it's that we're not cast that way. That's probably <laughs> the problem. You cast him as that. Yeah. If I make him hideous, he's going to mm-hmm. be a lot harder to love. But yeah. in my head, <laughs> I have problems. That's, that's all you need. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really happy to hear you guys say that because I, I love Charlie. He was my favorite character to write and he's definitely, a difficult character. I mean, if you, if you met him in life, you'd be like, what is your problem? Like all this terrible stuff is going on and you're making these weird, really dark jokes. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but I think a lot of us know people who yeah, they process through humor and mm-hmm. it's, you're going to either laugh or cry. So make the joke before you start crying and, right, you know. and don't take anything too seriously because life's all a joke and we're all going to die. So you might yeah. as well just be kind of a jackass about it. And then everybody else around you is kind of like, could you stop? And it's like, well, I don't really want to. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of Charlie in a, in a very tiny. I, was, I respected that for him that mm-hmm. you know, like, no matter how many times Dahlia was like, can you not do this? He was mm-hmm. like, look, we all do grieve it. the same way, mm-hmm. like yeah. different ways. And he's like taking the doors off the hinges. And you're like, <laughs> you don't have a door. Also <laughs> here's casserole, but then over here. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, I find that, in every book I've written, my favorite character to write, people like to ask, like, who is your mo- favorite character to write? Who's the most fun? And it's always the character who's, like... It's, like, awful. Yeah. Yeah. In my second one, it was definitely the the father in that one is, like, really crazy and really off. And he was my favorite to write because he would just say these insane things. And, like, when do you have the opportunity in your life to say those insane things? You don't if you want to actually, like, have friends and stuff. So it's just a way of playing and 
Um, yeah, so I always love writing the character who seems the most off. <laughs> well, yeah, because your main character is usually going to be someone that the reader can relate to at least a yeah. little bit. So they have to kind of be the most straight laced and mostly well adjusted, maybe mm-hmm. not very well adjusted. But however, they're not adjusted, like it has to be not adjusted in a way that most readers can kind of empathize with. Right. Not- oh, you know what? I'm going to make dioramas and post them on Instagram about murders because most people are probably going to go, I don't really understand what's happening right here. (laughs) It has to be like a socially acceptable kind of weirdness where Mm -hmm. it's like she searches for her brother on the internet. Mm -hmm. She's quiet and shy. She hangs out at a coffee shop. Yeah. She doesn't have friends, but that's like a normal kind of weirdness. Mm -hmm. But yeah, dioramas. <laughs> Whereas like, I'm like, show me the dioramas. I want to see because I, I have an insane love of miniature things, um, and so I think that's where that came in um, in this book that she was making these mini crime scenes. Oh, and um, and uh, my husband was like, maybe you should make like a mini crime scene to like promote your book. And I was like, I don't know, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> I can write about her doing that. I can't <laughs> actually do that, but I'd love to see it. There, and I just got back from Legoland, so everything there is really, really oh, tiny. Yes. And I had to stop and point. I'm like, "There's a jazz funeral down here. It's like really, really tiny." I'm like, "Is there a tiny coffin inside? Did Legoland do that? I don't want to know." But I just thought it was really <laughs> cool. So somewhere, someone's doing that, and it's at an amusement park. So it's yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, there's um a great person on Instagram. I think it, I think they're called at Twisted Copper Forest. Do you mm. know them? No. They do. Um, haunted dollhouses and, and haunted like dioramas or like I'll stop you there though because so all dollhouses are haunted that's true so that's some of them just are obviously are so haunted or good. trying to be haunted but i don't trust any of them just dolls scary I, yeah i have a uh, dollhouse in my living room downstairs because my grandfather made it for my sister and I when we were really little. And it's in a, like an exact replica of the house that we lived in at the time down to scary. the wallpaper no, 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 in our room, the okay. carpets. No, I don't. So like it's that. like a mix of scary and sweet. So, no. which is like kind of my thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a dollhouse for years because my father made it for me. It was like this big old Victorian dollhouse. I don't have it anymore and I wish I did, mm. but my core memories of that dollhouse is that's what I hid behind when I was 10 years old reading Pet Cemetery for the first time. <laughs> so that's, that's why you're scared of dollhouses or that's yeah, why they're creepy. I feel like it's like all related. <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, I kind of just blame the early, the early Twilight Zones where there's the doll that even gets like, I'm whatever her name is and I'm going to kill you even yeah. after she's been broken a hundred times. That to me is what all dolls are. So yeah. that just kind of stuck with me. Dolls are evil. I don't trust them. Not even yeah. Alone. When I was a kid, I used to collect porcelain dolls and now I'm like, how Why did I do that? Done that? They also, I had like a shelf that was pretty close to my bed where they all sat and mm-hmm. And watched and I, you while you slept. Yes. And mm-hmm. I was like totally fine with that. I was like, give me another porcelain doll someday. No. And now I'm like, ah, oh, gross. So no. I, I honestly tried to collect porcelain dolls. And my third porcelain doll I got, this is not even a, a, a made up story, was a nun. My parents <laughs> bought me a porcelain doll of a nun. And she didn't sit. She only stood. And that's when I was like, no thank you with doll yes. collecting um, yes so then I, I kept putting them in the drawers and they were like we bought you that fancy doll and i'm like uh-uh. like oh Ooh. the two curly haired pretty ones were fine but then like yeah. the standing the nun, nun the stern standing nun yeah she probably like punishes the other two dolls when you're not looking yeah yeah, yeah. she definitely did 
No, and see, yeah, I still feel did. I might I may have dodged a bullet. Um, I'm I'm divorced. My ex mother in law collected those same like whole curio cabinet full of porcelain dolls, and she only had my ex. So it was like, mm. oh, who's gonna have these? Oh well, you'll get them. At, I'm, mm, oh, I think it's good that that's yeah. not coming my I way. Feel like yeah, that could have <laughs> been a sole reason to just be yeah. like, you know what? I, this I think is I need to go now. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's just going to be a bad thing. And we're like, bye, little dolls. And I feel the same way about puppets. And I yeah. know puppets, yeah. it's one of those things where I adore them and they also terrify me. And I wanted a puppet, one of the hand and rod ones. And then mm-hmm. I got it and then I put it in the closet and I couldn't sleep with the doors open if I could see it. And then I couldn't sleep with the doors closed because then I couldn't see it and couldn't see what it was doing. And then it's going to come out. It's yeah. going to come out. I mean, it- they move on their own. We all they do. know that. They do. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Smile Time episode of Angel did not help. We're <laughs> puppets, and then, yeah, it's all bad. But, okay, so there are no puppets in family plots. No. So no. one got any puppets. I know, like, we yet. went on a tangent. And they're <laughs> like, I don't want to read this scary doll There's book. no dolls in family plot either. Mm-hmm. There's some needlepoint. So as far as crafting, yeah. if you've got issues with There's needles. Some There's some embroidery. There's embroidery. There are dioramas. The dioramas, That yes. might be disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also beautiful. Yeah. Very yeah. beautiful though. I mean, I, I thought that they were they were they would probably have gotten A pluses in any regular class if the teacher yeah. weren't close minded and weren't gonna just <laughs> wasn't gonna just be like, Well, you know, this was supposed to be Mad American history and Lizzie Borden is <laughs> I, tangentially related, but <laughs> I would disagree as a New Englander. You're like, mm-hmm. there you go. That, that is history. Right that is actual <laughs> history. We learned it in school. Mm-hmm. Did you really? Yes. Yeah. See, uh, Californian, they don't teach us things like that. We yeah. just kind of pretend nothing Lizzie started. Lizzie Borden like and the Salem Witch Trials. Yep. Nice. It's actually- yeah, Jen always drops out around 40 minutes. Her phone just okay. doesn't like her. She'll be back in like <laughs> half a second. So we just okay. kind of go, hold on, Jen, we'll be back. I only mostly know about the Salem Witch Trials because my mother was in the Crucible when she was in high school. Oh. So I saw the yearbook pictures of her going, I cannot, I cannot. <laughs> years and years. The Crucible. It's it's Salem Witch Trials. That's what I know about the Salem Witch Trials. It's mostly just mm-hmm. my mom being in the Crucible. That's, it. <laughs> that's that's all you need. That's what it was. That is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I know about New England as well. But, yep. but this yeah, is what happens when you grow up in California. We were yeah. like, we it's, know there's a you're not You're not wrong. States. They're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> We are all the same. They are. I mean, I know oh. where you are now, but you're all kind of like, could I find you on a map? Probably no. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the states in New England have better pizza than others. <laughs> is That's that true? true? Mm-hmm. That is true. I think has good Connecticut has really great pizza. Connecticut where? has good pizza. Connecticut. And no place else in New England does. Yeah. H- have you not seen Mystic Pizza? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was, I was going to say, pizza. I know like New York pizza versus Chicago pizza, and they're not even like the same food group really at that point. Yeah. Why are we even calling both these things pizza? Because they're not. But I mean, I just, I just know from growing up in California, that is as big as most of all of those states combined. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, it gets kind of confusing. And my family's originally from Pennsylvania, so I can find that on the map. Mm-hmm. And then I know there's, more stuff like a million there. other little states mm-hmm. that and they're all, all just are... that's, that's how I feel about like the midwestern states that I'm mm-hmm. like like okay I could find Michigan and then I can find Ohio because <laughs> I accidentally lived there for like 12 <laughs> I love years. That you accidentally <laughs> lived there. for 12 years for like 12 years 
Um, so like, I understand what touches Ohio, but then like one state over, I'm like, I have no idea. And then yeah, they all well, start to get like, uniformly Ohio, boxy. like contaminated by Ohio. Ooh, it touched Ohio. <laughs> but like, I, I shouldn't say that because like there were parts of Ohio that I loved. I loved mm-hmm. Cleveland. It looked like a Scooby-Doo episode Oh, <laughs> mixed with a zombie apocalypse. And I oh, mean, both oh. of those things in a very complimentary way. Good. Yeah. <laughs> No, so Megan, are most of your books then set where you live or in that general area, or are they all kind of New England set, or do you set them anywhere else? Yeah, they're they're all New England so far, and I always say that. Well, I love I love small towns as a setting for mysteries and suspense. Um, I think you know, small towns, everybody knows each other, and and that's kind of creepy, but it's also kind of comforting, and I like walking that line. Um, My first book takes place in what I thought was a fictional town in Connecticut. And then it turned out months after it was published, I realized that there is a, like a, it's not a full town, but it's a, um, a township. Like, yeah. Inside of a town that had that name. And I was like, whoops, they are going (laughs) to think that this is about them. It's not. Um, and then my second one took, takes place in New Hampshire. This one is the little Island off the coast of Rhode Island. And then the one I'm working on now is Connecticut again. So what I always say is like, I do, I am drawn to that as a setting, but also I just feel like I can't set things anywhere else because if I set something in like New York City, I'd just be like the tall buildings, the <laughs> avenue. Yeah. Well, look at all the taxi cabs. <laughs> yeah. the, oh, the pollution. It's an episode of Friends. Garbage you're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like I've been to New York, but not enough to like know the ins and outs and be able to convincingly set something there. So, I feel like I'm pretty stuck in the New England realm for right now. But I mean, that's kind of, I love that's good. doing that. So it's well, fine. And for the genre you write, you're just in great company with other writers, but also yeah. just, it's the great setting because mm-hmm. where I live, we don't have, okay, we have Dean Koontz. That's our, our mm-hmm. one horror guy. There's, there's not a but lot you of also, But stuff. California has like all the serial killers. We do. So mm-hmm. clearly we, we draw the evil, but it just doesn't, I mean, it's so sunny and bright and Disneyland. It's, yeah. it's not really where people want to set a movie or a, a story about somebody who's got like the, the family who is killing each other or killing mm-hmm. children or raising children or it's just you need fog and cold you cold too yeah. You, yeah you need to you need to have that kind of rolling in fog and we just don't have that and, and whatever towns where nobody will even tell your secrets mm-hmm. yes we don't and, have little towns like that <laughs> everything out here we have we have big suburbs that just roll into other suburbs and the idea of a little town where people kind of all know each other that's I mean, you might find little communities like that here mm-hmm. where it's a community within a community, like a church community or a camp community. So I know those where it's all incestuous and, and everybody knows everybody's dirt, but you don't get that just in a town because there's too many of us and there's too much people moving in. Like nobody, they say nobody's from California. I'm almost from California, but everybody moves in here and then some people move away. So it's kind of hard to be like, oh, you, you come back to this little town where everybody's still here. Nobody stays here. Everybody's off and moving yeah. and trying to find stuff. It's very different where it's like, oh, we're all cloistered, and oh, you're the you're the chief's son. Oh, I see. That doesn't happen here. Everybody's yeah. moved on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, Megan, I hate to say this, but we are out of time. Yeah. Thank you so much, though. This has Thank been so you. fun. Yeah, we can be fun. <laughs> 
We've been fun once or twice and you've been amazing. Thank you. Um, so thank you, Megan, for being here. Allison, thank you, of course, for being my Vox Famos Fixin'. Thank you to Roman and Pam at the Global Authors on the Air Radio Network. This has been a copywritten podcast from the Global Authors on the Air, Global Authors on the Air Radio Network. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.